Welcome to the Money Bubble and discover the future of money and how to thrive in a new innovative economy. Today we have our legal expert, Steve Massour. How are you doing, Steve? I'm doing great. Great to, great to be speaking with you today, Lori. Well, good. I'm glad you're here. I just have to share right now a little bit about Steve, and uh, he has offices in Los Angeles and New York for the law firm MGA. He's the main attorney for uh, this is a forward-thinking law firm for smart businesses, helping blockchain innovators, advising clients on token sales and cryptocurrency laws, and offering technology companies and enterprise startups advice on securities regulations and intellectual property laws. Wow, I'm tired. <laughs> You're a busy person. <laughs> well, we're having a lot of fun with it. We, uh, yeah, we have offices in New York and L.A., uh, we've been doing tech deals for about 25 years. Uh, we started around the time that the first internet company started, actually just before the World Wide Web was launched. Um, oh. And we did a lot of work for those companies. Uh, a lot of my comments about cryptocurrencies will harken back to those days, only to the extent that uh, a lot of the the original crypto founders are from those days, and they're they're very much uh, internet thinking people. Um, and we've done quite a bit in the later businesses that have happened as well. We did a lot in mobile, a lot in virtual and XR, uh, and quite a lot in cannabis and in uh, cryptocurrency. So I'm excited to discuss all those issues with you. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, uh, there's a, probably a lot of cryptocurrency startups that you're seeing right now and a lot of uh, security regulation issues that you're looking at. Uh, so how did you become interested in cryptocurrency, Steve? Uh, well, the original start of it was in the 90s. Um, there were a few... Uh, well, just digital currency companies, uh, companies like Duocash. Um, the original Bitgold was something that I saw the business plan for and was aware of. But uh, I would have to say that the, the, the modern iteration of cryptocurrencies as we know them today, uh, we got involved a little late, I would say, for us. Uh, usually we're very early with technologies, but we started uh, around 2015, I would say, uh, working with... Uh, so that's after the first sort of crypto nuclear winter. Um, and we started working with companies and helping them to start and to get their business operations going. And since we have uh, a pretty large and, and um, strong bench of securities attorneys here, uh, those were the issues that we delved into first. And we've been very excited about the work we've done in the space. It's, it's something that really uh, inspired me once again um, as a lawyer and as a securities lawyer to, to work on those issues. Um, after a, a long spell of the, the, the sort of trade of Reg D offerings becoming kind of boring, frankly. I mean, you know, we, kept, we <laughs> templated the business and then we just kept doing the same kinds of deals and, until crypto. And with crypto, we actually have to think about the securities law issues again. Yeah, and uh, there's certainly a, a lot of issues coming up around that. So do, can you share any new laws or any regulatory concerns right now for crypto startups? Uh, well, I guess I guess what I'd like to do is just give the lay of the market right now. 
It's, that would um, be great. The, the way that securities lawyers think of this, all securities lawyers, is they just think about, am I dealing with the security or not? And that's the Howey test. And once they decide that they're dealing with the security, then they will simply put it into the buckets of, that the securities laws give us. Uh, is it a private offering, which would be a Regulation D offering in our parlance? Is it a public offering? Uh, is it one of many new offerings under the crowdfunding regulations and Reg A and Reg A plus? Um, and uh, what's happening in the crypto space is that we had a big boom market and then a big bust. And the bust essentially wiped out easily 90% of the companies that were in the market but a lot of those companies have not built much yet. Um, so uh, it's an exciting time in the market, if you ask me, because the companies that remained after that big sort of burn off uh, are companies that are actually building something. And um, it's really exciting because that sort of 10% is 10% of pure value. Uh, whereas after the, the dot-com bubble burst, there was a lot of pure value, but it wasn't sort of every company is for pure value. But pretty much a year and a half after the boom, if you if you have a company, crypto is very unpopular in the, in the quote unquote real world. So if you have a crypto company that still survived, surviving and doing what it does for a living, you probably have some real technology. Um, and so that's an exciting time for me. Um, what also happened is that uh, the SEC started to actually send subpoenas out and bring claims, which they had not really previously done. Um, and so in 2018, there was a lot of concern about what the SEC would or would not do. Um, and what the SEC did is it proceeded along its normal process, which is to gather information and then to decide which companies to go after. Um, and they have a limited resources, so they can't go after all of the companies that they'd like to go after. But what they do is they try to pick winning cases, and they also try to pick cases that create good precedent for them, whether that's precedent that expands their jurisdictional reach or precedent that gives them stronger claims in the future. So that's what they did here. Uh, they brought a few claims against some some truly egregious criminal activity uh, and fraudulent activity uh, to sort of draw some lines in the sand. And they also brought some claims uh, that were purely around establishing their jurisdictional presence in the crypto space. Yeah, so that's, all these issues are new issues for the SEC. Uh, yeah, and so, so where that leaves us as, you know, companies that, that want to create new products in the blockchain space and the crypto space is a very interesting place. Um, the guidance in our country is still very murky as to whether when you build a new token, you've built a, a uh, security or not. So it's hard to determine which set of laws apply. Is it the securities laws? Is it the trade regulations that are governed by the FTC? Is it the... Uh, commodities regulations governed by the CFTC? Uh, or is it just something that justice would handle directly? Uh, and 
so those are those are the issues that you face if you're launching a U.S.-based securities company or business that's selling crypto that could be considered securities. Um, and so it's very interesting to me because in the U.S., we more or less, unless you can slip through the eye of a needle and have your 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 uh, token be considered a utility, you're probably limited to a securities offering. And to me, that means that we'll see a rise in securitized, I'm sorry, tokenized securities. So right. uh, that's very exciting to me, the idea of tokenizing the securities trade, uh, the real securities trade, not, not the uh, tokens that regulators are looking at as if they were securities, but they're actually just part of somebody's computer software. Yeah. And so do you work with any of the licensing laws with that, uh, with any of your clients? Licensing laws? Yeah. What do you mean? As far as requirements uh, for regulations of... Oh, licensing as a licensing Well, yes. Uh, you know, securities laws are, are default regulations. You, you, you don't really apply for a license. You... You simply do what you're going to do under a particularly particular regulatory regime, um, and so yeah, we do a lot of that, uh, and we also do a lot of technology licensing work. Um, uh, none of that is really a license to a license behavior, other than maybe the broker dealer regulations. Yeah. Okay. So uh, as far as uh, security tokens. Uh, do you do you see that uh, they they'll create new regulations or maybe use existing regulations? Uh, they've been very clear in the, the the SEC and their guidance have been very clear that they intend to use existing regulations. Um, there there definitely are attempts to revamp the securities laws as they apply to crypto assets um, and blockchain assets, but. Uh, the SEC's been very clear that they see these, they see anything that could look like a security as being capable of being regulated in the current regime. Okay, well, certainly it is exciting space. Um, I just want to share- we haven't, we haven't talked about the international side of that. That's very interesting. And we've been doing a lot of work in Singapore and Malta and Estonia and Switzerland and Gibraltar and Bermuda and Caymans, um, where they're all, these are all crypto-friendly jurisdictions, and some of them have actually passed regulations. Um, uh -huh. Probably the most uh, extensive sort of regulatory regime that's been adopted that relates to crypto is out of Malta. Um, and they passed three laws. One is a uh, law that regulates uh, crypto and blockchain assets and AI um, and it creates a regulatory body like the SEC for crypto um, wow. and it actually interestingly enough creates a new kind of business entity a decentralized business entity Wow wow so there's quite a bit of advancement um, in various countries uh, so the U.S., what do you think? Do you think we're falling behind in that area, or what do you think we need to catch up? And <laughs> well, uh, my opinion, uh, which should be taken <laughs> as my opinion, uh, is okay. that we definitely scared people. 
Um, and that, that definitely has created a brain drain outside the U.S., uh, where yeah. we're, we're pushing innovation outside our country, which I don't think is smart. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, with the economy, the U.S. economy, we're in an extreme amount of, of debt. The dollar, uh, the worldwide dollar uh, debt, we're at uh, $230 trillion now. In the U.S. alone, it's $23 trillion. So in your opinion, what do you think the solution is for this? Uh, the solution to, <laughs> to, to taking the world's economic problems. Uh, I'd rather have you posit that. I, I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, uh, as far as the future of money, uh, right now there's a lot of hesitation with cryptocurrency. So uh, as a legal expert, what would you tell our listeners uh, who are thinking about, uh, and uh, there's a lot of hesitation and thinking about, you know, what are the legalities? Uh, I've heard a lot of business professionals say, what? Bitcoin? Isn't that something that drug dealers use? <laughs> drug dealers, as we discussed before, drug dealers actually use Monero, but <laughs> <laughs> it's a private token, right? But uh, uh, yeah, I, I see what you're saying. You're, you're talking about how how did normal business people or how do people who are starting blockchain companies view it? Yeah, well, right now we, we've got a wide audience here, so we have a lot of business professionals oh, okay. who are thinking about so getting into the space. Blockchain entrepreneurs, crypto entrepreneurs, um, they they try to avoid the U.S. because uh, there is a lack of clarity as to who will be prosecuted for what, um, and that lack of clarity. It's not only from the SEC, it's also from Congress, and it's also from, I think the most recent thing I read was the CFTC making an incredibly vague statement in which they said that they thought that maybe crypto assets were probably also commodities in addition to these. So we don't have clear guidance in the US, and that, that means that we have fear about what will happen. And so uh, entrepreneurs in the crypto space are either being very safe about how they build their tokens, they're going outside the U.S., or uh, they're fighting the government. And there are a couple of those circumstances where um, some some uh, companies that created tokens that feel like they have a, a strong basis in the law for the existence of their tokens um, in the face of regulatory scrutiny are actually suing uh, to to keep their tokens alive. Um, so that's what's happening with crypto entrepreneurs. Normal entrepreneurs, I just think you should adopt crypto. I mean, I think it's very simple that it's a new way of getting paid. It's a very uh, sort of seamless and frictionless way of getting paid. And I think for business, you should, you should accept payments that are frictionless. Uh, our law firm accepts Bitcoin. Uh, in payment for legal services, um, I, I I would adopt. I mean, you know, where you can, you, you have to be careful uh, that you're not being ripped off. Um, you have to be careful that uh, you're. You just have to be careful which companies you use. But at this point in the game, there are quite a lot of financial companies that are running perfectly legitimate operations. Uh, some of them have actually gotten no action letters or 
are licensed uh, under the various regulations, um, I don't think it's something you should run away from. Yeah. It's something that rather you should, uh, at, at a minimum, you should continue to watch, um, and at a maximum, you should jump in. So as far as finding out which companies are licensed when it's required, do you as an attorney know where they can find this information? Well, that's, that's an interesting question. Um, uh, there are some companies where there isn't really a licensure requirement at all. Uh, for example, I'll just use some examples. Uh, yeah. Block Party. Uh, Block Party uh, is a company that sells tickets to live events using oh, yeah. a, a blockchain uh, methodology. Um, really, to the user, it's just a ticketing thing. It looks, it, in every respect, it looks exactly like uh, your plane ticket when you get on Delta Airlines. Um, it just lets you into the concert instead of onto the airplane. Um, and it uses the blockchain in the background. And so that, that company, there's no reason not to do business with them not one based on securities regulation anyway. Um, yeah. uh, another company called Uphold uh, uh, is a you know licensed broker dealer and you can buy and sell securities. Um, you can buy and sell crypto assets. Uh, I mean, I don't think those companies are dangerous to do business with. Yeah. And so what industries are you seeing that are entering into using blockchain technology? Uh, we talked about that before. Uh, I think it's it's very applicable, as we previously discussed, to the securities trade. Um, yeah. It's applicable definitely in the real estate business uh, because you could, you know, it solves one of the biggest problems in real estate, which is that it's the problem of fractional interest. Um, if you, you either own the whole building or you don't. And if you own the whole building, then you've parked a lot of money and you don't have any way of de-risking it. Whereas if you were able to tokenize a portion of your ownership in that building and sell it to other people, uh, you could de-risk your investment and give people an investment opportunity at the same time. You could even do a co-op or a condo arrangement that operates using that methodology. It would work very well. Um, and so uh, some, some companies have actually run out in front. There's a, there's a tokenized building in Manhattan already. Yeah. Um, there's, uh, I, I've, I've run across a minimum five companies that are building products for the real estate business. Uh, we will help you tokenize your asset is one kind of product. Um, all different kinds of interesting products in the real estate business. Um, and in the provenance business, um, art provenance, for example, uh, the, uh, titling of art and the, the accuracy or the authenticity of the piece of art is critical. Um, and the law doesn't really support it. There's a famous legal right. case with Shaker furniture bought by, uh, uh, by, um, gosh, I'm really bad with names. Investor. Uh, famous actor's last name is, is Crosby. Uh, um, the media, uh, big? Bill? He, bought, uh, he bought some furniture from a big auction house, Sotheby's Christie's level okay. auction house, and uh, it was fake. And um, there was no guarantee. Uh, yeah. So 
that's a problem that can be solved by blockchain technology. And there's there's uh, two or three companies actually working on that problem. Well, that's good. That's not a lot of industries entering and using blockchain uh, to benefit uh, the authenticity. So, well, gosh, we could keep going. I wanted to ask you if you have a little bit more uh, you want to share with our listeners about your company. Oh, okay. Yeah, we we. Uh, we're a very interesting law firm. Um, we we kind of fit in the category of venture law practices. Ours is more of a boutique. Uh, we're a smaller firm. Um, we have 15 people, and we uh, work in uh, sort of with new products and emerging technologies. Um, and yeah, the offer is you know just bring us your idea we're, we're happy to help with building it our way of doing that is uh to be very creative about it we will apply uh sort of templated documents where it's appropriate but unlike the other firms where that's the whole game we actually do apply a high level of creativity in helping our clients to create interesting new business structures and that's how we got into crypto um because those companies are coming up with a really interesting set of new offers for the public. Um, and so we look at those case by case and can be very helpful in helping to get regulatory approval and uh, just helping get financed and, and good contracts in place. Excellent. Excellent. So how would our listeners get a hold of you? Uh, I can, yeah, our website is the best way. It's okay. www masur.com m-a-s-u-r.com okay. and uh, we're happy to set up uh, a time to talk uh, off the clock about your business idea we call that mga office hours excellent excellent so we'll we'll give a link then uh to your website and uh so listeners can actually uh um set up a, a time to talk to you well steve it has been a pleasure and time has just flown by and uh, I want to thank you for interviewing today. And uh, I know it's a busy day for you, busy, busy time of year. So uh, appreciate you being on. And uh, friends, we'll talk to you soon. Have a thank great you. day.